Welcome to Appaloosa Radio, where stories come alive. Appaloosa Radio is a service of the Appaloosa Springs Audio Theater. Original genius of pure brilliance. An audio story offered by Appaloosa Radio. New York, 2017. International Association for Mathematics Conference. Ladies and gentlemen, the International Association for Mathematics announces its Lifetime Achievement Award to a gifted mathematician whose work has revolutionized nearly every branch of contemporary mathematics. When I say W.H.M. Goldman you know I speak of virtuosity, of original thought, of insightful breakthrough logic. When I say W.H.N. Goldman you know I speak of one of the modern pioneers of our discipline, a thinker without whom we would not be able to do contemporary mathematics. When I say W.H.N. Goldman you know I speak of an individual of extraordinary brilliance, a mind of unlimited capacity, a master mathematician. We are pleased this evening that Dr. Goldman is joining us for a talk. A tall woman wearing a pure white sarong, and with extremely long gray hair trailing below her waist, comes to the platform and accepts the microphone from the host. Her voice is both confident and clear. Good evening. I am Helen Goldman. I know that none of you have ever met me. I have lived for the past 47 years in my desert cocoon, entirely avoiding all human contact. I'm here tonight to share my story. After that, I'll return to my place of shelter and solitude. To my desert. To my simplicity, my frugality. To doing mathematics. First, 
you should all know that I am a deception. It is through my deceptions that I maintain my solitude, through them, the privacy I need for my work. I am Helen Goldman. There is no W there is no N in my name. I had to create a false identity to do mathematics. I am Dr. Goldman, but my doctorate is in clinical psychology. For 16 years, I practiced clinical psychology in Beverly Hills, California. I had an office on the 12th floor of an exclusive building on Wilshire Boulevard. My clients were often celebrities in the movie and television industry. I was known for my empathy, for my caring, for my understanding of people. I was extremely good at what I did. I was well paid, professionally recognized. My husband, Nathan, from whom I stole the N in my deceptive name was the West Coast vice president for a dominant advertising company. It was his business to create television commercials. He was particularly good at it. He was also well paid, exponentially better paid than I was. We had a home in West LA, between Sunset and Santa Monica Boulevard. It was a lovely Spanish-style home with its own theater and pools. Yes. Pools. It had three, one for diving, one for swimming laps, and, my favorite, one for soaking in hot salt water. I was also the mother to three incredible sons. In 1967, one of my sons was at Yale, one was at Stanford, and the youngest had been accepted to the United States Air Force Academy. In August 1967, I was invited to a party at the home of some of my professional colleagues, fellow psychologists. My husband Nathan was not along. To be truthful, our marriage was experiencing an extended crisis. We were heading toward a breakup. So, it was not unusual to attend a party without him. At that party, I was offered LSD, lysergic acid diethylamide. I took it and then wandered into a music room. Playing on the stereo was one of Wagner's operas. Ladies and gentlemen, I had never had a more passionate, a more pleasurable, a more satisfying experience than listening to Wagnerian operas while on LSD. Later, at my own home, I recreated the experience. Again, the experience was intense, personal, compelling. Using LSD as my stimulus, I listened to the entire ring cycle. Days and days of pure musical force. Compelling. Demanding. Overwhelming. I decided that summer I would quit my clinical practice and devote my life to the aesthetics of music. I applied to do graduate study in philosophy at a regional university. I was disappointed in the courses on ancient philosophy, metaphysics, and ethics. I was ready to drop out of the program when my advisor demanded that I take a course in symbolic logic. As I shared earlier, my strengths lay in empathy, caring, and understanding people. I had started a course in calculus while an undergraduate at Vassar but dropped out during the third week. Mathematics was not my forte. Still, I was required to complete the requirement in symbolic logic. So, I took a tab of LSD and went to class. My instructor had been a renowned mountain climber. One day as he was proving a completeness theorem, he casually commented, the higher up you go, the less there is. But what is there gets more dangerous. Suddenly, it all made sense to me. Metaphysics, ethics, logic, mathematics. The higher you go, the fewer the things there are. But as you climb, those few things get more and more dangerous. I looked up at the overhead slide that my professor was using to demonstrate the completeness theorem. I saw immediately that he had made an error. Probably inadvertent, but still an error. I raised my hand. Excuse me, professor, 
But shouldn't that alpha be alpha prime? Yes. Thank you. Very observant. After class, he invited me to his office. I saw that his only tools were his fountain pen and tablets of yellow legal paper. He showed me a problem that he had been working on. I immediately suggested an alternative strategy that worked better than the one he was using. That was it. We became research colleagues. And eventually lovers. Unfortunately, he accepted a position at a more prestigious university, and without him as a faculty mentor, I saw no reason to continue pursuing my doctorate. One evening in my wonderful home, I decided to tell Nathan that I wanted to end our marriage. I demanded that he sell everything and split the proceeds 50 to 50. I wanted cash in hand. I decided to devote the remainder of my life to mathematics and, even more particularly, the philosophical underpinnings of mathematics. I would climb high, up to where there is less, but where the danger was greater. I did not want to teach. I did not want to be encumbered by others. Mine would be a free climb without ropes or crampons. I would risk my life, but not the lives of others. I moved to one of the planet's most forsaken places. A desert where land sold for $10 an acre and water never flowed. There I built, from rocks that I scavenged, a one-room shanty. Once a month, I drove my rusting pickup to town to buy five gallons of water and the minimum of foodstuffs. I was parsimonious. I was frugal. I was solitary. I endured the heat. I endured the cold. I made my money last. I never applied for social security. I never had a pension. I never accepted any money from anyone. I am now 93 years old, and I still have money in my bank account. All I needed, as my mentor had shown me, was a fountain pen and pads of paper. While I was in graduate school, I had learned my lessons about publishing original work. The most original work never gets published. However, if you are one of the special elect, then everything, even the worst pablum, gets published, often featured as insightful. I was nobody, living by myself in a desert, maintaining my seclusion and my solitude. Yet, I had come to special insights that I wanted to share. So, I created deceptions. I became W.H.N. Goldman, at the Briefolia Institute for Advanced Study. Now Goldman is a good Jewish name, and there are several distinguished mathematicians with that surname. Adding three initials made me seem British, always good for publication in American journals. The Bravifolia Institute was taken from the Latin name of the Joshua Tree of which there were several on my property. Of course, I never shared my gender. There is unfortunately still strong gender bias in our profession. I was lucky. I found a typist in Minnesota who would take my handwritten pages and make them into a typescript. And, of course I had patience. I did not have to worry about writing for tenure. There was no publish or perish hanging above my head. Also, there was one trick that I have never shared before. I would read everything that the editors of a journal had ever written, and then I would use that information to create a psychological profile for each. Some say that mathematics is about symbolic relationships. Tonight, I'm here to tell you that it is more about the individuals who create it, than it is about the logic and symbolic notation. Show me a proof and I can tell you many personal details about its author, the man who created it. Yes, the man. Most mathematics are still men. Many of whom are extremely vain. 
I'm surprised that none of the very astute graduate students, who have so carefully studied my work, have ever not noticed how often I crafted a mathematical proof to match the psychological characteristics of the editor I was trying to influence. That is not to say my notions were not in themselves important and, indeed, sometimes revolutionary. It is just to say that had I not packaged them as I did, they would probably never have been published. So, I am not only a deceiver, but also a manipulator. Yet, as I have climbed higher and higher, I care less about what my colleagues think. The real danger is not professional opinions but is in the heights to which I have climbed. The rocks are sharp. The shale is slippery. The ice is treacherous. The winds are fierce. Thank you for this award. I'm not sure where I will put it. I live in a desert where land sold for $10 an acre and water never flowed. I live frugally. I live in solitude. I do mathematics. Palooza Springs Audio Theatre is a creative collaboration whose purpose is to write, produce, and share original story content through webcast radio experiences.